0: We are continuing through our 40 days. I hope that you are reading the book every day, these 40 days. We have seen, as we have been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus has announced, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is arriving. We've discussed the fact that the people had expectations of what the kingdom of heaven was like, and that when Jesus announced, the the coming of the kingdom, they were thinking impending overthrow of the Roman government. And they were thinking, he's going to set up a new Jewish empire and we will rule the world. We will be the ones on the top. And the Romans will be the ones on the bottom. Great crowds were excited by Jesus' message. We've talked about that. We've seen that people came from provinces, multiple provinces of the Roman Empire all around Galilee, and they came to hear what Jesus was saying, and they came to see the displays of his power as he healed people of diseases that were hopeless. So great crowds came, and they listened to Jesus. And Jesus knew that their expectations of him and what he was doing did not match what was in fact the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. And so, the scripture says, he went up on a mountain and the disciples came to him and he began to teach them what the life of people who live in the kingdom of heaven is really like. And so we come to the Sermon on the Mount. As we've read the Sermon on the Mount together, we saw that the kingdom of heaven's blessed, successful people aren't the same as the world's blessed, successful people. We talked about the fact that most of us, if we sat down and we said, here is what the life of a successful, blessed person looks like, we probably wouldn't have come up with the list that Jesus shared with the people as he began to teach them on the mountain. The blessed, the successful life. Those people that he named are not the people that we would have named. And then last week, as we continued to read what he had to say, we saw that he did not come to abolish the law, to set aside the law of Moses, to set aside all of the commandments that the Jewish people, or at least a number of the Jewish people, tried to live by. But instead, he said he came to fulfill the law, And he said that among you, you think the Pharisees and the scribes are the ones who are best at keeping the commandments of the law, but I'm telling you that you better do a lot better job than they do to live in the kingdom of heaven. For they don't live out the intention of the law. Instead, they focus on what does it take to actually meet this law. And then we went through a number of examples, both in the Sermon on the Mount and later on in the book of Matthew, of him saying, This is what it looks like to fulfill the intent, uh, f- to fulfill God's purpose and plan for us when we are living out true life in the kingdom of heaven and when we are fulfilling the law, the commands. So, today we're going to to look again at the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 43. And we're going to read, what we're reading is kind of an interlude. Uh, it's, It's the transition from the fulfilling the law to a new section that he's going to be introducing where he talks about how do we open the door so that we experience the very presence of God, which is what the kingdom of heaven, life, is all about. And uh, as we look at this today, instead of just precisely going through sentence by sentence of what Jesus had to say, here's the question that I want you to think about. Are you buying any of this? Or do you say, oh, well, that just sounds really good. There were a lot of people who listened to Jesus and said, oh, that sounds, that just sounds really nice. But that's not ever going to work. That won't work for me. I can sit here and listen to it. But Jesus and his kingdom aren't the kingdom that I need to get where I want to be. So let us begin to read. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verse 43, where Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. But if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, will reward you." That is the passage that we're going to use as our place to focus on this question, am I buying this? Many of the people who heard this the first time did not buy into it, and they decided, I'm not going to follow this Jesus. His instructions for living in the kingdom of heaven, there is no way. Loving enemies, giving generously, not getting credit for the good things that I do, I'm not going to buy into that. Now, I want you to think for a moment and try to, to come up with some reasons, why is it that someone, why is it that the first hearers, when they listened to Jesus, would have backed up a bit from the kinds of things that he was saying? There are multiple possibilities. I want us to think today primarily about two of the possibilities. The first one is this. Some of them said, that's crazy. That will never work. You're letting our oppressors go on oppressing us, love your enemies, turn the other cheek. You're telling us to stay on as the oppressed instead of turning everything upside down and putting us on top. In other words, what you're saying will not produce the blessed, successful life. We all know what it takes to get ahead in this world. The kind of life Jesus is teaching is going to leave me vulnerable. It will leave me exposed. It will make me weak. People will take advantage of me. The only way to be secure in this world is to be in control. If this is the way that God wants us to live, I can do better. So I don't believe. I don't trust this is the truth. I am rebelling against what Jesus is saying is God's plan and purpose for us to live. That is not the wonderful life that I have expected from the kingdom of heaven. So I'm not living that way. I will live my own life according to my own plan. Now, if we were going to try to summarize that whole thing up, we'd say they didn't believe because they were too arrogant, too proud, too certain of themselves, to accept the kinds of things that Jesus was saying. Now, I'm sure there were some other folks who would have said words that were very similar to the first group, but they would have said them with a very different sort of tone. They probably would have said things like, that will never work, that kind of a life would leave me vulnerable. People will take advantage of me. I will be insecure. I will have no control. It will be a disaster. You want me to trust God? God's not going to make things turn out all right. Bad things happen all the time. We've all seen them. We've all experienced them. So, no, I'm not going to live the way Jesus is teaching. I don't believe that is a successful, blessed way to live. If there's a kingdom of heaven, it's not going to work that way. I know that will never work for me. So what's behind th- that set Of statements fear fear I'm not going to be vulnerable I want to make sure to do what I can to to ensure for myself that I am going to have a successful at least as successful a life as possible for myself and for my family so I'm not going to follow Jesus yeah I agree with the other group it's not going to work but my driving, my driving uh, part of my decision is, I'm afraid to live like that. I need more security than that would bring. So that's really those two positions. And you could come up with others, imagining what people's response would have been, who turned away from Jesus but really the question that comes out and really the question that underlies the entire kingdom of heaven, that underlies the whole command, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is arriving, the question that underlies truly following Jesus is this. Do I trust Jesus? Really trust him? Will I follow him without pushing back and resisting? Now, and some of these disciples did follow him, and they followed him the rest of their lives. But you've read the gospel before, and you know that there were a bunch of starts and stepping back and going forward and coming back and uncertainty as they were saying, does he know what he's doing? Is this really going to work? And so as we get here to, to close to the midpoint, I want to ask you, are you buying any of this? Or are you saying, well, those are nice, pious words, or that is really idealistic. Wouldn't it be great if things worked that way? But Jesus lived that way. And he's calling us to repent of trusting in our lifestyle, our values, our strategies for living that we picked up from living in this world. And he is inviting us to come into his kingdom and accept his lifestyle and trust him to be our provider. In a few weeks, we'll get down to the last part of uh, of uh, chapter 6 in this Sermon on the Mount, and he's going to say, seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things, all these things that you're going to need, are going to be there for you. said, don't be filled with worry. Don't be anxious. Especially, don't be thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. He said, tomorrow's got enough evil in it. Just live today. And trust me today, he says. So, do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him enough to let go of your arrogance and selfishness if you're in one of those, uh, in that first group? that said, this is crazy. Do you trust him enough to let go of your fear, your anxiety, to be vulnerable? Who do you think he really is? Do you really believe that he is the almighty sovereign of the universe? Do you really believe that he has loved you since the foundation of the world? That he cherishes you? That he has a good plan and purpose for you? Do you really believe that he wants what is good for you? That his love, in fact, endures forever? Do you really believe those words we sing when we come together for worship? Do you trust him enough to turn away from despair in times of great sadness and disappointment and instead insist upon hope because of his faithfulness to you? Are you confident he will not abandon you in any hard challenge that you face, but instead will bring you through it into a good, wonderful place in your life? So what do you believe? What do you really think? about him? And how convinced? 75%, 90%? Or fully convinced? Do you trust him enough to abandon all of the life strategies that you acquired living in the kingdom of this world, separated from him? and adopting the life strategies of trust, of love, of mercy, of faithfulness that he teaches here in these beautiful words that we call the Sermon on the Mount. So here's the truth for you and for me today. No matter how hard you try, you are not in control. Neither is anybody else. Now we live a lot of the time as though we are in control. We look at our calendars in the morning, and we say, oh, here are the things that I'm going to be doing today. I've got it all planned. It will all fit together. It works well. And these things are going to accomplish this, this, and this that I want. We make plans and we live as though all of our dreams are going to actually become reality. But confidence in in our ability to control and make things happen is an illusion. Because we are not able to make everything turn out the way we think we can. We don't have as much power as we think that we do. A lot of our peaceful satisfaction, and confidence is based upon what is an illusion. And the illusion melts away when things happen that remind us of just how vulnerable our lives really are. What I have learned as I have followed Jesus is that the only life, all of the life, that I have is just the life I am living at this moment. I don't know what's going to be happening in an hour. I certainly cannot control what is going to be happening tomorrow. And different events can occur which make that so very, very plain and evident to me. And sometimes when those events come, we are overwhelmed because we suddenly see how much we are not in control and how, how great are the deficiencies in our lives and the inabilities to make what we want to come to pass happen. What kind of things am I talking about? Things like a cancer diagnosis or an unexpected layoff, or the death of someone that we love, unexpected tragedies, unexpected disappointments, or a pandemic. James, Jesus' brother, wrote about our tendency to trust in ourselves and our overconfidence, and our foolishness in these words. It's in the letter uh, from St. James in the New Testament, chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. And this is what James had to say. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So we need to, I think it's good for us sometimes, to have to come to, the, come to terms with our weakness, our inabilities, the finiteness of who we are as human beings. And Jesus doesn't say, so you ought to be afraid. You ought to be worried. You ought to be anxious. He says, no. The kingdom of heaven is arriving. You are the cherished of God. You are loved by God. He will never abandon you. His love endures forever. He doesn't say that God will make sure that you never have a disappointment and that everything will go exactly as you hoped and dreamt because you're trusting in God. No, he teaches us that if we will trust him, if we will really trust him, that he will care for us and he will get us through the things that are deep and he will get us through the things that are hard, the things that look impossible to us. He will get us through to the other side and we will say with peace and thanksgiving and joy, the Lord is faithful you can count on him he is trustworthy so now we're back where we started today what do you think about Jesus teaching for a number of days for several weeks now you have been reading what he has to say to us about how to live the blessed, the successful life in the kingdom of heaven, what it really means to repent. Are you trusting him? Are you willing to let go of the ways of the kingdoms of this world and instead follow, put into practice what Jesus has taught us here do you know to the depths of your being that he is faithful that he does bring the kingdom of heaven and do you trust him so you see here in these these chapters that are the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is saying if you're going to be my disciple this is the way your life will look. It's not about overthrowing the Roman Empire. It's not about becoming powerful, wealthy, secure in the kinds of things that the world calls secure. Instead, it's about accepting his words his words of mercy and love and becoming a person of love and mercy, a person like Jesus. So you see what Jesus was telling us here. He was saying, if you are truly my disciple, if you truly repent, the Sermon on the Mount is a description of your life. So that if someone who knows you were to read the Sermon on the Mount, they would say, "Ah, oh, that sounds like my friend. So we're in a time of uncertainty. We always are. But it's in our faces a lot right now. It's the same question Jesus has for us today that he has always been asking us, and that will still be the important question in the days ahead. Am I willing to trust Jesus? So let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you have the words of life. You are the creator of the universe come to live among us. To reconcile us to yourself. To help us in the confusion of life on this planet and all of the mixed up ideas that human beings have about how to get what you want out of life. You have come to show us the life Of the kingdom of heaven with all of its love and joy and peace and forgiveness and mercy and most of us most of us have have made a decision in the past to follow you but we must confess that at times we have not wholeheartedly implemented what it means to repent Abandon the methods of the kingdom of the world and accept your strategies for living holy, righteous lives. So we ask, would you pour out your grace upon us now? And in these days when we are confronted with our lack of power, Would you help us to remember that you are faithful? And may we, each one, choose to trust you and follow you. We ask this to honor you, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.